is the Heartland Daily Podcast. and welcome to the podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schieber of Healthcare News. There are two pieces of legislation in California that are alarming in terms of healthcare. They're alarming because what happens in California has a way of spreading to other states and the federal government, so we really need to pay attention to what's going on there. The first is SB 107. Now, this bill is sitting on Governor Gavin Newsom's desk. It basically makes California a sanctuary state for minors to receive gender-altering medical procedures and cross-sex hormones, even against the wishes of one of the parents. Now, this is likely going to involve custodial disputes, and it appears to mean that, let's say, the parents are divorced um, and they're having a dispute about this treatment. If the one who favors the treatment brings the child to California, the parent in the other state will be locked out of this decision. But before we talk about that, I want to discuss AB 2098. Now, this bill is also headed to Governor Newsom. It expands the meaning of unprofessional conduct in California by physicians and surgeons to now include the dissemination of misinformation or disinformation related to COVID. And that's right out of the bill's language. Now, I brought back Dr. Marilyn Singleton to talk about these two bills. Dr. Singleton is a board-certified anesthesiologist, and she's also an attorney, and she's also from California. So she's been paying close attention to these bills. Welcome back. It's always so good to be here. Thank you for asking me. <laughs> well, you know, um, this is, I, I wish we could talk about happier things. I mean, this is <laughs> alarming stuff that's going on in California. And I, I bet you're glad that you have that law degree. I mean, what? who's going to define what misinformation about COVID is? Well, presumably, since it's the Board of Consumer Affairs, which houses the medical board, they will be the arbiters of what is disinformation or misinformation. Now, they've defined it in the law, but it's still vague. And disinformation has to have so-called malicious intent. But again, that's not fully described what that actually means. The worst is the misinformation in that They call it false information that is contradicted by scientific consensus. Now, medicine has never been driven by consensus, and there's examples going back to Ignaz Semmelweis, who said people should wash their hands before they go from patient to patient. He was vilified. He ended up in a mental institution. What do we recommend? Hand washing. I mean, there are so many things in medicine that people come up with. The treatment for peptic ulcers, they used to say, oh, it was spicy foods. It turned out it's a bacterium. And the fellows who figured it out, again, they were vilified. And then what happened? About five years later, they get the Nobel Prize in medicine. 
So how how can you say that consensus at that moment is the only good medicine? Now, I mean, you know, if you're a physician and you tell your patients one thing, um, let's say it's something about COVID, an opinion you have, uh, could you lose your medical license if you kind of go against the grain? Am I overstating this? No, because unprofessional conduct, that's the term, is what could get you suspended or somehow disciplined, and the discipline can go all the way up to having you lose your license. Many times the discipline is making the doctor take some sort of course or you know, relearn something, and who knows if they'll start with that and make the person go to a course on COVID or something similar, or will they go straight to suspending the license? And, and you don't know because they're the ones in charge. And in any case, it's going to take valuable time away from a physician who should be spending his valuable time treating patients. Um, you know, what effect do you think this is going to have on healthcare in general in the state? I mean, will doctors now be pulling an Elon Musk and <laughs> fleeing to Texas or whatever state respects their medical degree? I don't know. I think it will happen more in people's hearts and minds than in reality, just because it is so difficult to get a medical practice started. And especially if you're in private practice to collect your patients. And frankly, if your patients love you, it's certainly not going to be a patient that tells the medical board, oh, they told me this. What would happen is, let's say, uh, with regard to COVID, you wrote your patient a prescription for ivermectin. If you had some activist pharmacists, they might turn the doctor in. But this this is the problem of laws and things like this. They upend someone's life, but the life is bigger than just the medical practice. They have kids, they have family. Are you going to uproot your kids? And you know, they're a senior in high school and say, oh, we're going to move. I, you know, it, it's, it's sad that these things aren't taken into account. But Anne-Marie, they don't care. That's the bottom line. They don't yeah, care. Yeah. And, and we've heard of cases where activists will go in and they'll target somebody and maybe try to trap them into <clears throat> saying something that potentially violates one of these laws and then filing a lawsuit and the person is on the hot seat um, and you could do it against somebody you might have a vendetta against. Who knows? But in any case, I mean, <laughs> I, th there was a clever op-ed in the Epic Times last week by Roger Simon on this bill. And he wrote, by this standard, Dr. Anthony Fauci better not show up in California because by this standard, given all this flip-flopping on COVID, his license might be at risk. It's so true. The information has changed from the beginning. But you know what? Other than Deborah Burks kind of in a side-eyed way uh, admitting that they were wrong, Nobody has come out, they need to come out with a full page ad and say, we were wrong. The information was new, we're sorry, but that'll never happen. 
Yeah, and once again, you're dealing with a public health emergency. You know, in the case of COVID, we didn't know at first what we were dealing with. We were getting information from a country we didn't necessarily trust. And so there was a lot of trial and error at the beginning. I mean, we had to have a difference of opinion to be able to get just the optimum kind of treatment. But again, science and medicine is always changing. There are always new opinions. Do you think that this could potentially... Uh, stretch out into other areas of healthcare. Oh, absolutely. I think everything always has to start somewhere. And uh, we just see this so often. You use the emergency as the opportunity to assert some sort of government control. And then once that control is in place, it's easily transferred to something else because guess what? Oh, well, we're already doing that. So we can do it again. We can expand it. And I think, of course, it can be expanded to other things. They they already entered psychotherapy in many states by banning con- conversion therapy in children under 18 and and with without much argument. And it, it's one of these things that are we doctors or are we just pill pushers that do what the government says to do? If that's all we are, we're not really practicing medicine anymore. Yeah, and this idea that your medical license is somehow a privilege that you're anointed with, I mean, not acknowledging that you put a lot of time, money, and effort to legally practice under the law. Well, and sadly, it is. It's not a right. It's a privilege even though you've earned it and one expects to be able to do what the the licensing, if you read the law about licensing, it says we can practice medicine and as long as you don't, don't hurt patients. And this is what the sad part is because this disinformation, they say it's malicious intent. That would be knowledge of harmful consequences. It's kind of interesting because there's plenty of drugs. Look at Vioxx. Uh, That turned out to be quite harmful. So are those doctors going to learn their, uh, lose their license because they prescribe Vioxx? No. But, uh, you know, COVID seems to have earned this special place in medical heaven and it needs to be kicked to hell. Bottom line, do you think Newsom is going to sign this? Is it going to become law? I do think so. Uh, For one reason, uh, it was overwhelmingly passed in the legislature. And Newsom will likely sign it because when he had his famous French laundry episode, when in the midst of COVID lockdowns, he went to a $425 plate dinner at a fancy restaurant in Napa, and guess who his guests were? The California Medical Association lobbyists, and guess who wanted this law? California Medical Association. It uh, represents very few doctors, just like the <laughs> Well, that must have been a really good meal then. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's talk about this transgender sanctuary state legislation, SB 107. What are your predictions of what could happen if this bill is signed again by the governor? Oh, this is really sad. Us uh, worming our way into various custody disputes, because I can see what's going to happen with this. It's just like, remember the days 
when women could just accuse their husband of molesting the child and the husband was toast. There is no way he could prove he didn't do it because they had the kids coached to say it and lose custody of the children. This gender thing can become a new weapon as between the married couple. California should not be inserting themselves into this sort of thing. And, and, and the way they're doing it is kind of legalese where normally you're supposed to give full faith and credit to some subpoenas, warrants, all this stuff from other states. And this law resents that, that California can just do what it wants to do. I, I don't understand what they're trying to do. I mean, basically, they're throwing out what are contracts between parents. And uh, this California is interceding and taking over. I mean, I, I can't imagine that this would not somehow be challenged in court, the constitutionality of this. Well, I think it should. And fortunately, there's enough advocates against so-called gender-affirming care, I call it mutilation, in children, even in the transsexual community, even one of the doctors who originated some of this surgery is against doing this in children. So there's enough opposition to it that someone, some organization will challenge. Because one thing you have to remember, Anne-Marie, there's a lot of unconstitutional laws out there, and they just stay on the books because no one challenged it. I mean, there's tons of unconstitutional laws. And so I think this one will be. There's enough negative information now about this gender surgery and hormones and whatnot in youngsters. Now, we're not talking about adults. Adults can do whatever they want with their own body, but the youngsters, how can they make up their mind? You know, like somebody once said that if kids knew what they wanted, all of us would be princesses or cowboys. Oh, yeah. Uh, isn't that the truth? And I mean, I think there was an attorney who spoke out against this bill and was actually in favor of doing it for her daughter, but then her daughter changed her mind within two years. And she was just really grateful that she didn't go ahead with these medical procedures, which are irreversible um, and can cause a lot of damage. So, um, you know, you could see where that might be going and how this could escalate. I'm just gonna let my imagination run wild here. What happens if a minor has one parent and somehow uh, gets wind of this, runs away to California, could they become emancipated in California easily and then find some activist group who will pay for the treatments? Or, uh, I mean, is that a possibility here that um, children might think of California as being a really huge huge safe haven for this. Well, presumably if the child's emancipated, they, you know, emancipated minors can get whatever they want. I mean, it would be the parent, the one parent that has custody of the child would have had to put out some sort of uh, legal paperwork to get the child back. And uh, it's an interesting question whether just because it's gender affirming care, that's all the child has to claim why they ran away to California. But imagine this, what if that's not what they really wanted? I, you know, it, it becomes a new excuse. A kid can run away from home and say, well, I want a sex change. And then they're gone, they're here. 
And if California accepts them um, and becomes their, uh, makes them a ward of the state, and then the child can do whatever they want, go off and be a prostitute and do drugs, whatever. Um, California needs to take their nose out of it. Yeah, yeah. All of this is very troubling. One final question. You know, many people write off California as just being crazy and they're not worried about it because they don't live there. But is this naive thinking? Should we all be concerned? We should be concerned because, as they say, as California goes, so goes the nation. And people do laugh and say, oh, well, their stuff is crazy. But there's so many things. Look at what just happened in Virginia over car emissions. They actually had a law that said they would do with their green policy what California did. And the new governor apparently is changing this. So it's not it. I I think you're right to think that what happens here does not stay here. And California is a big state. If it flies there, it can fly elsewhere. So all good points. Well, thank you so much again, Dr. Marilyn Singleton, for coming on the podcast. You're always so uh, enjoyable to talk to, very educational, and you have a lot of insights, and we need to really pay attention to some of these arguments that you, you do bring up. Well, thank you, and we'll talk soon. And if you search the Heartland Daily podcast platform, you can find our other discussions with Dr. Marilyn Singleton. I would encourage you to do so because we've had some interesting chats. Uh, Thank you all for tuning in and please share the link. Give us a thumbs up on your favorite podcast platform. It's just a, a terrific way to spread the free market message. I'll be back again next week with another topic in healthcare news. This is Anne Marie Schieber.